Well, good morning, Community of Grace. It's good to be with you in this online format. Thank you for welcoming us into your home as we worship. In my last Sunday message two weeks ago, you heard that I am attempting to learn the world of social media. And for me, it's like trying to learn a new language, and I'm definitely at the toddler stage. Last Wednesday, I tried to create a watch party when Pastor Darren and Dan Lugo were having a Be the Church in the World type of chat, and I ended up creating a watch party on something that happened last week instead. Still don't know how I did that. Uh, and then when I found the right one, I couldn't find any way to start a watch party on that one, even when I phoned a friend for help. So thank you, Hannah, for trying to help me. So about 18 minutes in, I eventually just gave up and joined someone else's watch party who actually knew what they were doing. And those last 10 minutes were great, guys, thanks. So then I tried commenting on other people's Facebook posts because I thought, oh, that would be simple enough. And something popped up that I thought was current. Turned out it was a memory of something that happened in the past. But I enthusiastically jumped in and totally misreading the context, ended up making an extremely inappropriate comment. <laughs> so it turns out the post was not about adopting pet cats, which I thought it was about, but about celebrating a successful reconstructive surgery after a mastectomy. Knowing that, my enthusiastic comment was, congratulations, I'd love to see pictures. <laughs> the very awkward response back was, I don't think I can do that, Pastor Angie. I don't think that's legal. Oh, I do have permission to share that, by the way. But please, please know, if I ever ask you to send me inappropriate pictures, I didn't mean it. Please don't. So then, <clears throat> I tried to put up my very first post, which was one of my favorite pictures that reminds me to trust in Jesus. And it ended up in something called My Story. Still didn't know what that is. But I was so glad I managed to put it somewhere. And then yesterday, it disappeared. <laughs> So, sigh, maybe someday I'll figure out how to actually post a message or, you know, wonder of wonders, maybe even a video. But the truth is, I have to laugh or I'll cry, because honestly, I really, really hate feeling stupid. Not that anybody likes feeling stupid, but this stuff is my particular brand of kryptonite. And I haven't tried to post on the Community of Grace page yet, because I figured I'd make all of my appalling mistakes on my page first before I try to represent you. But the truth is, moving into something new always takes risk and courage and humility, because any time you're going to move forward, sometimes you're going to fall. And the only way anyone dares attempt anything is to know that the reward is worth the humiliation for what will eventually become the new reality. And I remember thinking that when I watched my friends in high school learning how to skateboard or snowboard. Lots of bleeding, lots of bruises initially. But eventually, down the road, there was also all kinds of beauty and grace. And in this modern world, when everything you attempt is instantly live to the world, it takes a lot of courage to dare to be exposed for your weakness, your humanness. It takes knowing that what's gained through it all is actually worth it. Real connection. And Palm Sunday is that kind of day. It's a day that we remember and celebrate that it was for the joy set before him that Jesus chose the road to the cross. And that the joy of walking into that path of real human suffering was the joy of his connection with you. 
In his humanity, Jesus meets us in ours so that he can share with us the eternal promise that only he could give us. It takes courage to dare to travel the road to humiliation and pain on purpose. It takes love. And that's what we remember every year in Holy Week, that this is what Jesus chose to do for you and for me. But on that very first Palm Sunday, nobody imagined that this was the road that Jesus planned to take. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, triumphant and yet humble, people were greeting him as the answer to all of their hopes. Hosanna, Lord, save us. They wanted to give him praise and glory because they wanted to share in that glory. They wanted Jesus to step into the kind of strength that would crush their enemies. And everybody assumed they knew what Jesus came to do, to save them from the obvious threat, Rome. Rome was taking away their freedom, making them live in fear, limiting what they could do, economically holding them back. What else could one who came in the name of the Lord want than to save them from that? And their cry of, Lord, save us, actually meant, Lord, put things back the way they were, the way we remember. But it turns out they had misidentified the actual enemy. The truth is, even in the good old days, there were many who were missing what God wanted most for them. And a return back to what was would not actually give them what they needed most. It wasn't actually Rome that was separating people's hearts from the God who loved them. Rome was not their greatest threat. Now, Rome did bring harm to God's people in many ways, but that threat did not last. The Roman Empire came, and it went. But what this Messiah King came to save us from is the threat that endures, the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy our lives daily in much more insidious ways, through things that trap us, enslave us, separate us from God and one another, that lie to us about what really matters and drive us to, to waste our lives with things that do not lead to life. Jesus came to save us from the dead end of our sin and death. And he came to be for us instead, a way into a whole new kind of life of forgiveness, of grace, of hope, of peace, and restored relationship with God and with each other. And for that kind of saving, he would need to take a whole different kind of road. The people wanted Jesus to step into the kind of strength that would crush their enemies, but instead, in a strength beyond anything we can imagine, Jesus made the totally unexpected move of stepping into our weakness to be crushed himself, not only by his enemies, but also by his friends, by us. The end of this week would see Jesus wrongfully accused, arrested, beaten, mocked, tortured and killed, lots of bleeding, lots of bruises. But three days later would come a new beginning full of beauty and amazing grace. And everything would change in a way that's still changing hearts and lives and eternities today by the powerful undercurrent of living water let loose by Jesus' action into the world that washes with his cleansing grace all who will seek him. You see, Jesus did come to save us, and it wasn't the fight we were expecting. But God has always known what we need most, and in his love, he chooses to meet us there. And in his love, he still does. Lord, save us. 
This Palm Sunday, we remember that this is what Jesus came to do and still is, but maybe in different ways today than you might expect. Because when you look at our world today, where we're all living in the isolation of our homes, the obvious threat, of course, is COVID-19. And when we pray, Hosanna, Lord, save us, what we're praying for is an end to the threat of this virus. We pray for our leaders to have the strength to help us navigate what needs to happen. And for our healthcare workers, our first responders, and our essential workers who Christ-like are braving the danger, even in their vulnerable humanity, to care for humanity. We pray for an end to this virus. We pray to Jesus, who is the healer. And we know that God is good and he works for good even in the brokenness of this world. And we believe that this obvious threat to our society, like the threat of Rome, will too have its day and pass into history. But in the meantime, there is a saving help that we can hold on to that is eternal. Because when we pray, Lord, save us in this time of crisis, we are praying for Jesus to be with us, to send his power to help us navigate this current threat. But because we know the path of love that Jesus chose for us, we can face any earthly threat with an eternal hope, knowing that no matter what comes, he has already won the victory, a victory that no virus, no suffering, not even death can take away from us because he has given us his victory and nothing can snatch us out of his hand. The courage of Jesus' love in his humanity and his vulnerability also gives us the courage to love one another in our vulnerable humanity because that's where God's love embraces us, right where we are. And because of that promise, I believe there's also so much more that our Lord wants to save us from in this time than the obvious threat. I believe the Lord is doing some pretty profound work in many hearts today to show us the beauty in our humanity what is good in this life that he's given us, and I don't want us to miss it. Because Jesus works to set us free in very unexpected ways. It took him dying to give us eternal life, and sometimes it takes tearing down what we thought we wanted to show us what we truly need. Because after entering Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple and he shocked everyone by driving out the money changers and turning over the tables. It was shocking because there was nothing wrong with changing money at the temple. Initially, they were supposed to have those animals available for purchase to equip people to make appropriate sacrifices in worship. The problem Jesus identified wasn't in the practice. It was in the heart. Because somewhere along the way, the point for them had become the profit, the fulfilling of expectations or duty, rather than actually coming to God in true connection of worship and prayer. The doing itself had become infected with distraction and pride. It had become an idol in itself that was keeping people from actually connecting with God. And Jesus, in a dramatic moment no one could miss, tore those idols down. And the loss of those props was in part the last straw that led to the scheme of his arrest and crucifixion. We don't like having our false idols removed because something about them makes us feel like we're in control. But in this moment in time, right now, like no other, we find that our false idols, too, have been toppled. There are no more sports. Hollywood's on hold. Even many careers are on hold. And our obsessions with buying and selling, 
now largely silent. And when all of those distractions go silent, what's left? Only the things Jesus laid out for us about what matters most in life. Love God. Love people. And maybe we didn't even realize there were things we needed saving from until we were forced to stop it all and ask the question, what really matters to me and why? And have I been living as if those things matter to me most? And if not, why haven't I? I believe when we get to the other side of these days, our world will be changed. We will be changed. And if in this time we let Jesus speak into our hearts what's true, that change in us will be for the better. Because Jesus doesn't challenge the false idols in our lives just to show them up as empty, but to give us a better option for our hope, for the reshaping of our lives around the one who loves us right where we are. Jesus wants you to identify the real enemy that has crept into your life to steal, kill, and destroy what matters most. What have you been living enslaved to? What have you been serving without even realizing it first? What's kept you from a real relationship with God and others around you? Schedules, expectations, achievement, things designed to impress When all of those idols have been toppled and lives forcibly uncluttered, what remains essential in your life? Now is the time to recognize it. And in the midst of your grieving those things that you do miss, don't miss the blessing of the moment that Jesus is showing you his power and his presence with you in the one precious life that you've been given. And don't miss the gift that he's given you in one another. So in this Holy Week, I want to ask first, how are you? How are things with you and Jesus? Because no matter who else comes or goes, he's still here. Wherever you are, he's right there with you this morning. He never moved. He's waiting for you to be still and know that he is your God. And I don't believe God creates situations like this. They come out of the brokenness of this world. But God can and does use all things good. So what is the good that Jesus wants to show you in this moment? What do you need saving from? Listen to him and let him reshape your heart by his grace. And when this world begins to drift back to business as usual, your usual will have changed to look more like the person Jesus created you to be than it did before. Don't let this time be wasted. The choices that Jesus made for you and me show us this week that it's in the struggle that he meets us and he shows us what God's grace can do to bring healing. At the beginning of Holy Week, the disciples didn't know their time with Jesus as they'd known it was limited. And on Good Friday, everything they'd ever hoped for would come to a crashing and terrifying halt only to see a completely unforeseen new beginning dawn on Easter morning. And this Holy Week, too, we're living in that kind of moment. We don't know what the Lord is working to do, but we know that he's working. And the world we will know will be different on the other side. But because we know the end of this story, in Jesus, we know our story leads to a home in his love that will never let us go. In 2 Corinthians 5.1, Paul writes to tell us, when this earthly tent in which we live is destroyed... There is prepared for us a heavenly home nothing can destroy. 
In John 14, as Jesus is preparing to face the cross, he tells his disciples he is going to prepare a place for us so that we may be where he is. And on Good Friday in Luke chapter 23, even while dying on the cross, when the criminal dying beside him dares ask, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus joyfully promises, today you will be with me in paradise. Joyfully. Because this is what it's all for, beloved. That we may be with him and he with us. So don't waste a moment more. Holy Week is all about knowing there is a place prepared for you that's yours right now. Because it's not about location, it's about love. Jesus paid the price to make a place for you in God's love, in God's eternal being. And that place is open to you right now in this moment by his gift of grace. And there is no better shelter than that love. So beloved, this week as you shelter in place, Know that in Jesus' amazing love for you, you've already been given the unshakable shelter of his love, a place that is yours now and forever. Come home to him. Because that's what Jesus chose this Palm Sunday. He chose to walk the road that would lead to you. And greater love has no one than this. In our celebrations of Monday Thursday at home, in our Good Friday services that you can find online here, we remember in choosing the way of the cross, Jesus spoke that truth in a language not of words but action. That Jesus, the living word of God, who is what God wants to say to us, chose to enter into human suffering, humiliation, and death to show us the extent of his commitment to us. He will not allow even death to be the end of our relationship with him so that we can know no matter what we face, he'll be with us. He is with us. And we can trust that even if tomorrow looks like Good Friday, Sunday's on the way. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Jesus, our Savior. Let's pray. Lord, you are our shelter. You are our hope. And in our fear, our struggle, our anxiety, our concern for others, you remind us in the very humanity of your story the road from Gethsemane to the cross, that you are the God who understands everything about our human hearts. And as we entrust them to you, remind us of your promise in John 6 that all who come to you, you will never drive away. So help us, Lord, like the criminal on the cross, to come to you to receive the amazing gift of your forgiveness, your grace, and your welcome into the shelter of your saving love. And then help us, Lord, through that love to help others also to find their peace, their hope, and their shelter and your love for them as well. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.